think Tevez going to Juventus, what, what a coup that was for me. I mean, On a head-to-head -head battle, Atletico Madrid can do uh, more damage to Barcelona than the other way around. Either he's really blind or he's fixing the match. I, I can't see it any other way. I'm, I'm trying to get Sir Bob on my side here by saying City will win the Premier League. It, it is an upset. You would expect Man United to go and win there. Over a billion dollars was paid in transfer fees uh, between the clubs in, in Europe. It's football. It's damn football. Like Ferguson said, football. Bloody marvelous. Yeah, well, the celebration was, I can't believe I just scored against Mexico. Uh, at one point, Parma, I think it's only like 224 players under contract. Hey, they're going to throw me out of here, fellas. You're going to get me arrested on your show. If you're a serious talent, you're going back and you're playing for Santos. You, you know, you're going back to, to play for, like, in Argentina for River Plate or Boca Juniors. Or you're going to Europe. He looked like the Ryan Giggs of old. He was more creative than any player on the pitch. Um, he made Matter look stupid. He made Rooney look silly. Now, the Premier League is what the most exciting league out there. I think it's probably the best marketed league without a question. When you look at the draw for the, the Champions League, you kind of say, well, all the pieces kind of fell into place for everybody except City. I am your host, Joe Ucello. Sir Bob, Mike Orr, my co-host, Rob Rojas. My trusted co-host, Ben the Machine. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to episode 352 of Low Limit Football on this 20th of March, 2022. I'm your host, Joe Ucello, and tonight we head into the March international break after a weekend of very, very exciting football. The Derby della Capitale sees Roma dispatch of Lazio with a 3-0 victory in the capital. Monaco downs PSG 3-0 as well with a performance that makes you wonder if the Parisians even care after their early exit from the Champions League. Charlotte FC and MLS wins their first match in MLS history, a 3-1 victory over Supporter Shield winners New England Revolution, and we'll look at the quarterfinals of the Champions League as well as the U.S. Men's National Team with our very special guest, former U.S. Men's National Team player from ESPN and Sirius XMFC, Janusz Mahalik will be joining us in just a little bit, but first... Let me get my co-host in here, Mr. Roberto Rojas. What's going on, my man? I'm good, man. How are you? Good, good, good. Uh, I know uh, at the time of this recording, the El Clasico is not over yet, but man, does uh, does Real Madrid miss Karim Benzema or what? Yeah, absolutely. A yeah. big one. It, it's amazing. You know, you, it's amazing to watch that match because Barca just look in total control of it uh, at the Santiago Bernabeu, by the way, as well. Um, but obviously, hopefully, we'll have a final uh, coming up in that one just a little bit, we've got a Super Classico tonight between uh, River Plate and Boca Juniors. We had, like I mentioned earlier, the Derby della Capitale. A lot of big derbies today. Even the, the Monaco PSG one is a big one. Um, what did you do? I don't know if you caught any of the highlights of that one. I know you were working this morning. Um, but, man, PSG just looks like they don't care. And, and I'm wondering at this point if Pochettino's just completely lost the locker room. What do you think? I mean, at this point, is it even like like – what is reassured of him? I mean, we probably all know that he's gone at the end of the season, so might as well, might as well make the best of it. Got to be. You know, as best as he can. Sure, I agree. Totally. So let's jump into it, my friend, because uh, we have a great show, and we had a great, great interview. We, we were able to catch up with Janusz Mahalik a couple days ago, um, and just thinking back on some of the things he said in that interview were just astonishing given what's happened with the U.S. men's national team. So um, we're going to give that to you in just a little bit, but I have the honor of trivia. I've actually stolen the honor of trivia from you, my friend, tonight. So uh, if you're ready, I'd like to lay it on you. 
Go for it. All right. So uh, coming off of you and I just watching El Clasico, uh, Carlo Ancelotti uh, has coached in all five leagues. He's a legendary coach. If you don't think he's a legendary coach, you probably should stop watching this, uh, this sport, to be honest with you. He has coached in all five leagues. He's one of only two coaches that's won three Champions League titles. He's also won it as a player. Um, however, there is one trophy missing from his tit- from his trophy case. Yeah. Can you tell me which of the top five leagues he has not won as a manager? I did hear this in the broadcast, actually, so okay. I know this answer. All right, fair enough. Then uh, we'll give it to the listeners, though, at the end of the show. But uh, I thought it was really interesting, and I had to go back and, and double-check the facts on it because it just it seemed like a— you know, like I said, Carlos won everywhere. So how could he have not won this one? But he did. Um, all right, let's jump into it. Opening thoughts. And our quarterfinals of the Champions League are set right now. As we move forward, we have Benfica facing Liverpool. Uh, Benfica dispatching of Ajax 2-1. Uh, I'm sorry, 3-2 on aggregate. Uh, Liverpool disposing of Inter Milan 2-1. Inter Milan, by the way, in, in, a, in a lot of trouble. They seem to be slipping down the table here in uh, Italy. Um, Villarreal. Uh, four one winners over Juventus move on to face Bayern Munich, who just destroyed Salzburg in the second leg, seven one eight two on aggregate in that one. Uh, we look ahead at Manchester City. Uh, you know, n- nothing to speak of of their nil nil draw against Sporting, but they were already ahead five nil on aggregate, and that's the way they finished. They will take on Atletico Madrid, who uh, who eliminated their crosstown rivals, Manchester United. Uh, with a 2-1 aggregate score, we're going to have to ask some questions of United here coming up in a bit. Chelsea, get rid of Lille, uh, 4-1 on aggregate. They will take on Real Madrid, the giant killers of PSG, uh, with a 3-2 aggregate score there. And at one point in that in that match, when we talk about it in our interview with Janusz, uh PSG is up 2-0. And, and I think maybe there were 60 minutes left in the tie. And, and, and to go and lose 3-2 there, that, I mean... I, I know you and I were talking about PSG and and kind of you know looks like Pochettino's lost the locker room. That's really the, the the start of the end, right? The beginning of the end for Pochettino is is getting eliminated in the one one competition that they so want, don't you think? Yeah, absolutely. I think when you look at everything else that had been going on, I mean, this was the one where you know failure was not an option. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, there are only a few teams in the world that can only accept winning the Champions League and everything else could be just a footnote in history. And this was one of them. This is one of them. And it showed on the night. And again, we don't even know how they're going to bounce back from this and who's going to come in, who's leaving. And yeah, it's, uh, it's going to be interesting to see what happens to PSG after all this. Yeah. You know, and, and like I said, I don't want to get into it too much because I know we got into it with, uh, with Janusz. Um, Atleti. Uh, moving on, having eliminated Man United on a on a 41st minute Renan Lodi goal that they made stick. Um, you know we're looking at these Champions Leagues and we've got three Spanish teams uh, in the semifinals, you know, or in the quarterfinals. I'm sorry, Villarreal, Atletico, and Real Madrid, and we've got three English teams as well with Liverpool, Manchester City, and Chelsea. Uh, you could end up with an all spanish semi-final you could end up with an all english semi-final you can end up with an all spanish final uh, which i think is very unlikely with villarreal being on the other side of the bracket having to take on bayern munich to start and then the winner of uh of liverpool benfica from there so i think the likelihood of a um of, a, of an all spanish final i think is very very remote i do think there is a very good likelihood of an, an all english uh, final given liverpool's form at the moment However, we could end up with something um, a little bit different than that, where I think maybe one of the Real Madrid, Atletico Madrid teams will advance to the semis and then the finals. 
uh, to take on Liverpool or Bayern Munich in that final. What are your thoughts on the matchups that we have and the likelihood of, of seeing one of those all-nations uh, all final? Yeah, it looks very real. It looks very real. I think looking at all of these other games that are going on, I think the more tasty of them all is, you know, it has to be between the two English sides against the two Spanish sides. I think Chelsea and Real Madrid is a really interesting affair. The reigning champions against the team that beat uh, one of the favorites, and obviously they're a favorite in themselves. So, yeah, this is a really an interesting affair. And when you look at how the bracket shaping up, it really could entice, you know, two interesting semifinals with two favorites. Mm. Sorry, with all the four favorites, really. I think Liverpool got a really, you know, reasonable draw against Benfica. Bayern Munich definitely got one with Villarreal, who, you know, despite them displacing Juventus, is still a a tough side. But given Bayern and Liverpool's capability and their talent, you know, they should have enough to obviously go and advance to the semifinals. And then, that, then when they do face each other is where the big... Um, it, 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 what will demonstrate who's the better team out of all of them. And looking at City and Chelsea with Atleti and Real Madrid, yeah, I mean, it's a possibility that we could see an all-English semifinal. It could be a possibility that we could see an all-Madrid uh, derby as well. I mean, City and uh, obviously are looking to repeat uh, their opportunity of going back to a final and obviously winning it this time. Atleti, you know, for everything that Cholo Simeone has won under his helm, he still needs that elusive Champions League title and with Chelsea taking on the reigning champions Real Madrid, you know, this is a, a manager that's won this before Real Madrid, you know, despite them not doing so well in the classic at the time of recording. Uh, mm. It's still, you know, I'd say slight favorites in this one just because of the quality and the talent and and hell, even with the uncertainty happening at Chelsea, you don't know if that's going to be maybe a motivating factor. We spoke about that last week, mm. how it could indeed be a motivating factor or it could be something that could really affect them and it could be demonstrated in this tie. So, yeah. yeah. Overall, I think four interesting ties and I think you could see it perhaps being more dominated by the, the English sides, at least if I had to pick a favorite at the time. Yeah, you know, I, I think Liverpool makes quick work of, uh, of Benfica. Though Benfica have been playing, you know, pretty, pretty well. They, they've, they've kind of shorted up defensively. You look at uh, their tie against Ajax, um, you know, and a magnificent one at that. Um, but unfortunate for Benfica to draw Liverpool here because right now, you know, arguably Liverpool are playing the best football in the world, uh, without a doubt. I mean, they've really stuck their nose back into this uh, EPL title race. They are right here, having made uh, decent work of Inter Milan, which, you know, up until recently was playing very, very well. So Liverpool, you know, Benfica is unfortunate to draw them. And Bayern Munich, I think Villarreal is unfortunate to draw Bayern, although Bayern has not been as... Um, as much on the front foot, you know, I know that I know they, they disposed of Salzburg seven, one in the second leg and I get it, but they've only, they've only won one of their last three matches in league and Bundesliga. And that was this weekend. So you wonder about this Bayern Munich side. Can they stay focused to, to go ahead and, and, and move through a Villarreal side that will, will be happy to, to counter on you and, and uh, you know, allow you to possess and do what you want to do, but then counter and score. Uh, you know, you, you've got to look at that and see, it could be a a tricky spot, but I think Bayern Munich moves on. Um, yeah, Chelsea, Real Madrid, you know, Real Madrid know how to win this. It's, uh, I even said to, I think I said it to you when we were interviewing Janusz, um, it's in their DNA, right? I mean, this is this is what Real Madrid are. This this is, you know, the Galacticos. This is the biggest title in Europe. And these, these guys, it's in their blood. They know how to win this tournament. So... That's one thing. But then you bring on Thomas Tuchel, who's now won this. And you said there's a there's a possibility that 
the the issues with Roman Abramovich and the sale of the club and, and everything that's going on there could be a motivating factor for this Chelsea side. And they are the defending champions. They are a very good team. So, uh, you know, that, that's going to be an interesting one. I think that one is going to be too close to call. And if I'm Manchester City and I'm looking at the other teams that were uh, potential matchups in this particular round, I think I don't want to play Atleti. I, I think that is the one team that if I'm City, and I want to get your opinion on this, that I don't want to play because Atleti can, they, we've talked about it a million times, they embody what Cholo Simeone is. And Cholo Simeone is a guy that, that, that brings a knife to the fight in the alley. You know, I mean, he just, he's a knock him down, drag him out kind of guy. He, he's put that into his team. We saw it in the second leg against United. And I think that's the kind of team that can really give city problems uh, is a team that we're, that will not allow you to free flow and, and play and pass and tiki taka, like, like, like they embody what, what Pep wants to do. I feel like Atleti is, is the perfect foil to the city side that could give them problems. I mean, I think ultimately I think city will move on, but man, this is not going to be an easy, an easy one. What are your thoughts on, on this? Is this the worst matchup for Manchester city going forward in this tournament? Yeah. I mean, I think it's very much a a difficult side. I think Guardiola is needs to really break down a a really tough Atletico Madrid side. And so I think if they're able to get past that, then I still see them as the favorite to win it. You know, I generally think it doesn't matter who they get, Chelsea or Madrid. I think if they are able to get past this really shaky Atletico Madrid side, that you never know what to expect from them, right. but they will always make it difficult for them. Then that puts them in a good position of saying, you know, they could break down any of the teams out there that are still left in the competition. So with the eight teams left, who's your favorite to win? Manchester City. I still think it's City. And I think it's Liverpool. I think it's Liverpool, and uh, and I'll be honest with you, uh, depending on how they how they go over the next few weeks, I I would almost consider Bayern Munich second in there, but I think it's Liverpool. Um, it's going to be interesting to see. I, I think it's going to be a great race to the finish here, and we're gonna get a, we're gonna get those matches in a couple of weeks because obviously we're going into the international break. So, let's table our discussion of the Champions League for now and move into our interview with Janusz Mahalik. Uh, again, like I said. Janusz joined us a couple days ago. We got to talk about the U.S. men's national team roster as it had just come out. Uh, so we got to talk about the differences there, uh, the Sergio Dest injury, a couple other things, John Brooks, which I think were the comments that I, that kind of rang in my mind the most. Uh, we talked about Champions League fresh off of the uh, the results there, so we got to discuss those things as well. So without further ado, the Janusz Mahalik interview. And joining us now on Low Limit Football from ESPN and Sirius XM FC, former um, U.S. men's national team player Janusz Mahalik is back on the show. Janusz, welcome back. It's great to have you on board. I want to open with a Champions League question. I know the U.S. men's national team roster dropped, and we're going to get to that in a minute. But let's talk about the round of 16 here as it's concluded. We saw some big, big teams eliminated by Spanish teams. Um, PSG eliminated by Real Madrid, Villarreal by Juventus, I'm sorry, Juventus by Villarreal, and uh, United by Atletico Madrid. We know the PSG side of the story Um, is a disaster because this was the main goal. So I want to focus on Juve and Manchester United because I don't think either team was really expected to win it, but these are two massive, massive clubs uh, on on world football stage. Which team of the two do you think is, was more disappointing in their run up to this point in the Champions League? Uh, A close call, isn't it? Uh, Because in so many ways they're similar, right? I mean, not great starts to, to the season, um, you know, I, I guess more turmoil at, at Manchester United in the sense that, you know, the coaching changes, 
um, you know, uh, now with Ragnick, it's it. You know, there's so much promise. It's maybe not the great, the greatest, but in the meantime, even though they're not playing well, they're you know they're they're about in terms of fourth, fourth place, and just recently kind of uh, lost that to Arsenal out of nowhere, right? Because we never thought that Arsenal was going to be there as well. So uh, for Juventus again, I mean, bad start to the season as well. But as of late, I mean, you have to say that Juventus were on the uptick, right? In terms of the way they play, in terms of results. And, and you know, to lose that game 3-0 so decisively, uh, even though, I mean, let's be honest, it's one of those where, I mean, Juventus did fine, right? I mean, the first 45 minutes, they were tremendous. Well, very good, I should say. I don't know, tremendous. So, although you could say that. And overall, I mean, you get the penalties, right? And, and that score looks sort of... Uh, Deceptive, wouldn't you say, uh, in a way? Uh, but nevertheless, it doesn't really matter. Uh, you know, the bottom line is to score goals, and that's something that Juventus had plenty of chances. Rulli was, of course, incredible in goal, and, and probably just think to him that Villarreal are through. And, you know, we could be sitting here and, and talking about how well Juventus played, how many chances they had. It's a bit unlucky, but, you know, clear mistakes, uh, you know, and Rugani, unfortunate, because, you know, Rugani, in a way, I think for me, he has deputized well uh, this season, hasn't he? I mean, he went from kind of forgotten man to actually playing relatively well. So I, I, you have to say that it is Juventus in a way, in a way. Now, looking at the other side of the um, coin, Janus, you look at the teams that have already qualified in that sense, the all eight teams, Chelsea, Liverpool, and Man City representing the Premier League, the sole Bundesliga uh, representative in Bayern Munich. Benfica representing Portugal heading into the quarterfinals mm -hmm. after eliminating Ajax, and three La Liga teams, Atletico Madrid, Real Madrid, and Villarreal. Obviously, Villarreal, the reigning European uh, Europa League champions, Chelsea, the reigning Champions League champions. But looking at this, um, at these teams, Janus, and obviously the draw is still to be done at the time of recording, but after seeing what you saw domestically and, of course, in the, comp in the continental competitions as well, who do you see is best place to win the Champions League at this moment? I mean, you have to say that the English teams are favorites. I mean, you, you just do, you know, I mean, we can make an argument, obviously, but Letty has those sort of games, right, over over two legs. They're capable. We know Villarreal are capable. Unai Emery knows uh, uh, European competitions, doesn't he, right? And in some ways, VRL and Atleti are similar, if we just talk about these two. Uh, you know, the reason I don't write them out ever is because they don't feel and they don't need to apologize for the way they play. It's kind of, it's kind of ex accepted, isn't it, right? For sure, in terms of Villarreal, you know exactly what they're going to do. They're going to sit back. They're going to hit you on the counter. They're going to make it ugly. And not one person in Spain or at Villarreal is going to complain about that. Uh, I, I don't feel that there's a responsibility for them to play more open, although they can, as we know, they're capable of doing that, right? And, you know, when they do have Gerard Moreno, we saw the, 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 the difference he made that he came in. Atleti, I think the expectations are higher for them to play because you look at their names, right? If you look at João Felix and, and Griezmann and, and who's out there, Carrasco, you know, they have players to play better. But remember, over the last couple of years, they've tried that. And it hasn't truly really worked. I mean, uh, Cholo Simeone, to his credit, has tried, I, I don't know if it was last season, the season before, or even this season in the beginning, to change that a little bit. He was listening and he wanted to do it differently, maybe to play a little bit more expensive. And it never, it, it hasn't worked, right? Uh, I mean, last season, of course, they won La Liga. That was a massive 
you know, achievement. I think that's part of the reason why this year early they didn't start well, because for a club like Atleti to do that, to get one over Barcelona, Real Madrid, and again, they did it, I think it was on the last day, didn't they, right, as they often do. Uh, that takes a lot of the team. You almost feel like sense of achievement. You've achieved your goal. And then I can understand how sometimes it is not easy to get going once again. But they're kind of, you know, they're, they're about, aren't they? Were they, uh, I think, you know, fourth, Barcelona third, I think, same points. You know, I could be wrong. But anyway, somewhere there uh, or thereabout. So they're, they're fighting for top four, going from, a cha- you know, from being a champions to now uh, having a way to, to, to make sure that they stay in the fourth spot or higher. And, of course, as always, uh, uh, Champions League, you know, I mean, why not? They, they've lost twice in the final. Um, why not get there? Over two legs, it's a very difficult opponent um, to navigate against. And, and the reason I say that, of course, you know, I've named the three English teams. Remember, I mean, they've done that to Liverpool, right? 3-2 at Anfield. And and now they've gone to to Old Trafford, two very story grounds that, for the most part, historically, uh, these teams do well in and and won the game. So <laughs> and got through. So you have to pay attention. Real Madrid, it's still a big surprise, you know, how they are because I thought that they, you know, they they still were in this little bit of a rebuilding time, but they've managed. Uh, easily lead in La Liga and look what they do to PSG. So, I mean, you can't dismiss them. I, I'm not dismissing anybody uh, because the draw is important. You know, chances are, who knows? I mean, you know, we may see Liverpool and Manchester City and that's one of the favorites out. So we have to be conscious of that, right? Uh, no matter what happens, uh, there's probably going to, I'd have to imagine that in the next round, at least one, I think, who knows, maybe two favorites will go out. Bayern, I've never gone against, well, but once, that season when Hansi Flick came in, when they were in the eighth or ninth spot in Bundesliga, and look what happened to me, right? They, they not only won the Bundesliga, but won the Champions League. But but they're not looking right. I mean, I I hesitate to say no, but my goodness, it's not the same. And now we see Zula just got injured, right? And I think uh, I saw that Pavar got injured today as well. I don't know the extent. I think Zula's out, probably won't be playing in the Champions League in the next round. Pavard, I don't know about, but as bet, you know, that defense hasn't been good. And you're taking two that were actually probably their best defenders out, possibly for the next round. So we have to be conscious of that. Sorry for the long answer. No, absolutely. And, and actually, it's a good question to tie in as a follow up. You know, you mentioned some of the favorites, but the two so called underdogs, using in quotations, in Benfica, Villarreal, you know, Jonas, if you were one of these six teams, which of those two would you not want to play if you're given the draw in the quarterfinals? You mean which out of the Benfica or and VRL and, and VRL? Yeah. Pro- oh, no, it's it's who's left Benfica, VRL, and uh, would you mention? Oh, just those two out of just those, those two. two. Yeah, because it's basically yeah, the so called VRL because they're so uncomfortable. I mean, Benfica. You saw it. I mean, what do they have? One shot and goal or something and scored? I mean, not much. I mean, you know, it's a, it's a storied name. It's a big club. But I just don't believe that if you're Liverpool or Chelsea or 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 Manchester City or Real Madrid, that, you know, they have what it takes over two legs to take care of them. Uh, I mean, let's be honest, right? I mean, you know, Benfica, uh, I think, you know, they'll be hoping to probably draw Villarreal, right? Um, uh, uh, Villarreal for the reasons that we've seen that they're so uncomfortable 
unapologetic in the way they play, and that's effective. Whereas Benfica is not the same, right? They they'll try to play, and and they're not a team that's defensive minded, and all of a sudden can become one overnight. So because they try to play and they will play, they'll be somewhat open. And you know, if you give Liverpool an open team, if you get Manchester City an open team, and even Chelsea an open team, that doesn't bode well, right? Villarreal can frustrate. Uh, any of those teams, or even Real Madrid. Uh, so so you, you'd have to say Villarreal because of the way they play and how uncomfortable they are. But most importantly, how disciplined they are, and they all buy into that culture, right? Because sometimes player, players don't want to play in, in that kind of way. They buy into it. They don't mind. Yeah, absolutely. They don't mind at all. Now, switching gears now, stateside and talking specifically about the national team, their call-up list was just announced today for their last three World Cup qualifiers. Mexico away, Panama at home, and then Costa Rica away. Uh, you see some of the usual names, as always. You see the likes of Christian Pulisic, Tyler Adams. Uh, obviously, Gio Reyna is also back on the squad. Ricardo Pepe, Brendan Aronson, uh, Kellen Acosta, among many other names. So I, I just want your reaction and how are you feeling of this national team heading into these last three games uh, to qualify for Qatar 2022? Well, you know, I mean, again, I mean, we'll see how this team, this is real pressure, isn't it? I mean, because, you know, in the previous rounds, you always think, well, there's more games, there's more games, and... Uh, uh, this is definitive, right? You've got to get it done. I mean, yes, on one hand, you beat Panama and you're in at home, right? And we should be capable of that. We also want to be conscious of what happened last time, right? I mean, we didn't even, you know, we needed a draw. We didn't even need to win against Trinidad and Tobago. So, I mean, you know, but that's, you know, four years later, totally different team, younger team, maybe not as experienced, but a hungry team, right? Uh, but, you know, the weight of the nations are on their shoulders. So, uh, I don't have a problem with the squad, but, you know, obviously losing McKinney and, and now just today, just before the announcement of Serginho Dest, it is a big blow, no matter how you slice it. You have to go on. That's what happens. It happens to every team, right? Uh, I was even, you know, last round when we were playing Canada, right? I mean, Canada, we were playing without uh, Fonzie Davies and, and you stuck you in the center of the pitch and, you know, he's their brain. Um thinking maybe there was even another guy and they still found a way and and you know they they lead uh, they they lead uh, you know the table right now and they are at the top so those two are big losses because where they come from they carry with themselves a certain amount of presence right uh you know there're still players that play for Juventus and Barcelona which which matters and those are players that are important to our team right when you look at the three games maybe not for all three but I think you'd like to have that leadership in particular because, uh, you know, I thought this was maybe maybe Weston McKinney, McKinney who, who was at, at his best. We saw that at Juventus, but most importantly, because that's what I really care about. You know, club is one thing, form a club, but what do you do when you come to the national team, right? And, and, and McKinney in the last window was tremendous. He played with this incredible confidence, uh, you know, do, doing all the little things and just looks so good and fluid on the ball, almost flowing on that field at times. So that was important because, you know, sometimes, you know, the last window, if you remember, Christian Pulisic wasn't really good. Now he's good at a club level and let's hope that he can, he can now bring that to the national team because the pressure is going to be once again, even more so on him uh, of all the, you know, people that play with big clubs and are, you know, for the players, their expectations are high. So, but I think we knew it. we know exactly what we need to do. There are three games to do it. Um, you know, couple I suppose surprises, it, you know, in the squad, but nothing 
I mean, ma absolutely massive. For me, just Sargent, I would have had him on. Um, John Brooks, you know, you know, that goes deeper, right? This is more maybe his attitude than anything else. I mean, I remember not even now, but in the past, kind of yeah, pulling out with injuries. And, you know, I remember, you know, at times he doesn't travel well in terms of flying and, you know, often going home after the first game. Remember when we used to play just two? I I have a feeling that, that you know, when you with Berhalter so big on the team aspect, right? He's he's a little bit of on the outside within the group. Do, do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Players may not say that, but it has that feeling because otherwise you say to yourself, well, I mean, of course, well, yeah, John didn't play for a long time, but now he's back playing. He's got tons of experience, good on set pieces. Obviously, all these things, right? Good with his feet, bringing the ball out of the back. And yet he continues not to be called. So it tells me, also just knowing the team a little bit and, and the past, it tells me that it's, a, you know, maybe not fitting in that group more than anything else. Sometimes it, it isn't about talent. I don't know if it's a good call or bad call. Uh, ultimately, that's Greg's decision. But I have to say I'm okay with that. I'm, I'm, because I had that feeling about him for a long time now. That is just not, I don't know if he, he's ever been all in on the national team. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I just never, he never gave me that feeling that he's all in on this. Yeah, you know. So I, I get that. I, I was going to say, I do agree with you because I, I think that the the effort, you, you watch him on the weekend in the Bundesliga and, and you see almost a different level of effort out of John Brooks versus when he puts on the uh, the red, white, and blue. Um, and I also think that there's a there's a level at this point where Greg Berhalter's lost trust in John Brooks, and and as a head coach, you've kind of got to you've got to trust your 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 center backs. I mean, they're they're the last they are truly the last line. Um, and I think right now, it's as much as he doesn't trust John Brooks, I think he does trust Miles Robinson and Walker Zimmerman in in that spot. And I think he just feels more comfortable with that, don't you think? He may. Aaron Long is back. You know, I mean, there, there's cover there. I mean, obviously, you know. Even I, you know, part of me always says, but, you know, it is a player that when everything's on the line, you know, it's a big call for Greg. It's mm -hmm. a definitely big call. I mean, it's his call. He qualifies, no problem. He doesn't, that comes back. Even if he, even if it's not right, even if you can say, you say, well, even if he was here, maybe we'd have lost because that's, of course, always a possibility. Uh, but I get it. it. You know, it's, it's, it's a national team. You often understand that there are, you know, I think people know it by now, but for those that don't, that sometimes you make decisions not always purely on the last game and how they've played in the last two or three games. Yes, there's a level of trust, not just between the coach and the player, but between the players, the dynamics of the group. And it's a selection, remember, right? We don't call it, you know, I mean, in Europe, it's more of a word, right, that, that we sometimes use. But, you know, it's a selection of players. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not how you did last week and where you've done it. The environment's totally different than in the leagues that they play. You know, the travel, the, the teams, the, the understanding of what it takes here, the understanding of suffering, right, which I think sometimes... Uh, John Brooks didn't show that he was ready to suffer for this team. That's that's my take without knowing him, right? Mm -hmm. I, and I, you have to suffer in these. You have to suffer in Mexico in the altitude. You have to suffer on the plains. You have to suffer in humidity or cold. You have to, you know, so 
I think this is a cumulative thing over who knows, maybe even more than a cycle. Do you know, do you know what I mean? And, and sometimes you have to make peace with that. Yes, I understand those that say purely unreasoned form, but we all know that sometimes players purely unreasoned form. I mean, if you look at Christian Pulisic in a couple of those games, you know, last window, you'd say, why, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I, I'm just joking a little bit, but yeah, I mean, he wasn't great. Now he's, you know, catching the form at Chelsea. Obviously, he's an important player, and, and you know, he lives this team. So, I, I get that with John. I, I think I explained that well. I think it's a little bit deeper, but it's also very important, just as important how you play on the field, right? So I, I think there's some options there that I think we can manage to get through this. Let's put it that way. And as I think Greg said, you know, I mean, it doesn't mean that it's, you know, the, 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 the doors, the window or door is closed. If we do get to the World Cup, you know, he may be a possibility. Sergeant, I would have taken him. Uh, that's one one that I would have put on this roster. I, I think I agree with you on the Josh Sargent call. I, I want to dive a little deeper just quickly into the Weston McKinney uh, issue here because, for me, I, I agree with you 100%. Weston McKinney was definitely the, the best player in the last window and probably in the ba- in the last two windows. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I think I've said it a few times on this show that right now, as we stood, he was the best U.S. men's national team player, including Christian Pulisic. Uh, it was Weston McKinney. Uh, so I think this is a big loss. Now, I'm looking at the midfielders that are brought along. I think you've got to pen in, not even pencil. I think pen in Tyler Adams and Eunice Musa. I think Greg has kind of gone with those two, and then McKinney is part of that, that tree. Well, that tree. you almost have to pen in first Kellen Acosta. Yeah, I, and, that's, I mean, and that's kind of where my question because, goes. Because, I mean, last game, last game he was outstanding, right? He, you know, he, he came in. Was, I'm trying to remember. It was Honduras. Yeah, it was, what was that? It was Honduras, I believe. Right. Yeah. Uh, uh, and and yeah. I mean, he's he, he's the first one, and then you know, I mean, it's difficult to say because we also, uh, you know, if you look at that midfield, you know, uh, uh, Luca Della Torre was tremendous as well, right? Mm-hmm. Greg Berhalter went out of his way to really praise him. Now, does that mean that you go in a big game? But you know, I wouldn't be surprised to see Luca Della Torre start in Mexico, right? I mean. He's got some big decisions to make on how to how to manage these three games, right? I mean, Mexico, you know, you can't miss dismiss Mexico because you know everybody is putting their hopes on Panama, and I don't like that because you know what happens. Yeah, you know, I don't want to bring Trinidad. You don't want to put all your eggs in one basket and just say, well, you know, I've seen people saying, oh, you know, let's get everybody healthy and that's the game. Well, that's great, but. I think you can gain momentum. And, you know, I mean, we've beaten Mexico three three straight times, right? Mm-hmm. Beating them for two trophies and in a big, you know, in a big game and qualifying. So, I, I mean, why not go after them? They're not at their best. No. Tata Martino is probably the only reason that he's there is because they can't afford to sack him because the economy and, and, and um, uh, you know, the economy because of COVID and all that, right? Because, right. I mean, what coach has survived? the sort of campaign that they've had or which coach has survived losing to United States three games, right? I mean, you lose once in, in the past and you were out. Yeah, true. Uh, I'm, you know, and here, here we are, two trophies, three games, two, two, you know, so, but, you know, that's in the past. It doesn't matter. This is a different game and, you know, Mexico are fully capable of beating us, right? And, you know, at home. We've never won there. Um, but I think, you know, you can get something out of her to ease the pressure, to gain momentum coming into Panama game. So I think, you know, for for those that say, well, 
yeah, let's kind of pretty much play B team. I, I don't buy into that. I, I think it's a wrong, wrong message. That, uh, I think you go with confidence. You try to play against Mexico like we have. Uh, you try to beat them. Whatever happens, happens. And, and then, you know, you you concentrate on the next game. You know, um, we had a coach, jokingly, the older, you know, Boromir Tinovich, who, who said it a thousand times to us every time. The most important game is the next game, right? So the next game is Mexico. And and it's not inconceivable that we can get something out of that match, which will help. I agree. Um, I agree. I was so just... so that's that's key. And you know, for so for example, somebody like look at the Torre because you mentioned it's for sure. You know, Smusa and Tyler. I know you don't know, but you said it. I don't know. I don't know because that may be the game where you kind of put a combination of right. Mm -hmm. Greg knows who he wants for Panama, who are the key players. So if he says, you know, for that game, I absolutely need Kellen Acosta, just for example. I don't want to take any chance and lose him. Well, it may be the game where you kind of say, okay, Tyler plays here, Yunus, and, and you know, De La Torre. I'm just throwing things out, right? Uh, so I can see those situations where you're going to have a combination of players that you normally think are sure starters with players that you kind of say, okay, it's a short window. We have three massive games, and I have to make sure that I manage that properly. You know, I, I also want to point out the fact that um, I agree with you. I think I think we should go after Mexico because Mexico's ripe for the taking. I mean, that like you, all the things that you pointed out, they are they're in trouble, and um, I don't think the players buy into Tata. I don't think uh, you know. I, I think there's there's certainly a disconnect there, and it's kind of evident on on the pitch when you see this team play. Um, so I think going after Mexico and Azteca would be massive. If, if, even if you, you pull out like a one-one draw, you, you've you've built momentum right. with, with a draw, and that's, and, and that's important because let, let's change that, Joe. Because you know, I mean, I know what you mean, but it, it's not that you know you go after them because you think. I mean, you always have to think that you can beat them, right? Mm -hmm. But we have to know that Mexico, no matter how bad people think they are, is very much capable of beating us. It, you know, those three games that we won, they could have won. They're capable, they're talented enough, you know, and all of that, right? Because, you know, I, I really don't look in the past. It doesn't matter to me what we did the summer before in the Gold Cup or Nations League. It doesn't matter. Different players, different, right? I mean, mm -hmm. they had different players. We had one tournament, it was a B team, C team, whatever. It, 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 you, it, it's incomparable. And also the pressure is, you know, thousand percent different. Right. Absolutely. Yes. So, so I just, I just think that we should go there, and fight Mexico to get something. If it's three points or one point, that's fine, right? But I, I just don't like the suggestion that we should save the players. You know, our best players or most of our best players for the game against Panama. Yeah, totally, totally agree. I, I, I completely agree because I think that that momentum is a is a massive, massive thing. Uh, especially going into that Panama game, so I think you need to build that, and and it also gives the players time to kind of mesh together as as they move through this last window. Right. I, I have one more question for you before we let you go because I know um, much has been made about Matt Turner's uh, injury, where he's he wasn't selected. Zach Steffen is here on this list, but he's been carrying, I believe, a back injury with Manchester City. Uh, Sean Johnson, uh, you know, obviously he's won uh, MLS Cup with uh, NYCFC, but you know, gave up four goals to Comunicaciones uh, on the week in the CONCACAF Champions League. And then you've got Ethan Horvath as well, who's been uh, been getting a little more time back in Europe. Who do you see Greg Berhalter selecting as the goalkeeper, whether it be for one match or all three matches? Does he go with Zach Steffen knowing that he might, you know, be carrying in an injury? Or do you think he goes to, to Johnson or Horvath? I think if there's any, any question that he's not 100% and Zach won't play. I mean, we know that I, you know, I think it's, well, 
I think it's well documented that Zach Steffen is probably Greg's first choice, right? When you look at him as a whole, the way he plays with his feet over, say, even if, if Turner was here, right? I think when it comes to one game, if I had to guess, he picks Zach. He's familiar with him. He trusts him, right? And yeah. overall, I think in his head, he thinks that he's probably the best. Uh, and he may be right in that, even though he hasn't played much. Uh, so if, if there's any injury, any sort of that, I, I don't think you're going to see him, right? Uh, it probably Horvath because remember which tournament was the Gold Cup or Nations League? I'm trying uh, to remember. Nation, now, I think it was so Nations it, League is the one that he won. Nations League. Yeah. He was tremendous, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, he was tremendous. You know, he's playing a little bit more. I think sometimes it's a little bit different with goalkeepers, even even if they don't play. I think because you know Zach Stefan's not 100. Matt is not here. It really and you can do that with goalkeepers. It really is going to be. Kind of, you you know, you get in camp, you only have, you know, what are they going to have? A couple of days, right? Mm-hmm. But you really make a decision right there. Just watching him, talking to the goalkeeping coaches, right? You, you, you're going to get a sense. I, Unless Greg knows a lot more about Zach, where he is exactly, right? Because we sort of know, well, he's not 100%. Is he, he's been kind of back, but he... So, so I think that that's one of those decisions that I wouldn't be surprised if it's made once they get in together, once they have a training or two, once the goalkeeping coaches talk to them, then talk to Greg. Greg's going to be watching them as well. I wouldn't be surprised if 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 that's when the decision is made. Because very often, right, you know, if everybody's healthy, you kind of know. Goalkeeper, you know, you, you, you may have even told that goalkeeper a couple of weeks before, right? Make a phone call and say, listen, by the way, when you come in, you're number one. Then you tell the other goalkeepers, you know, when we come in for this last trip, for me, you know, I don't know, Zach Steffen's number one. This time, I think it may take a, a session or two just to get a feel f- to see exactly how they look. Yeah. But but if not Zach, uh, I'd have to think it's Ethan. Great, great stuff. Janusz, thank you again for giving us so much time tonight. Um, always appreciate you ha- having you on. I personally uh, get to listen to you, especially Monday nights when you're doing um, – Premier League final. Uh, a Premier League final. Yes, that's. Uh, it's usually. I think it's about nine o'clock, and I'm usually driving in the car, driving home. So I get to listen Good to you. It's it's fantastic. Good so man. I really appreciate it. Thank you, and all the best to everything you're doing. And we hope to have you back again soon, my friend. Thanks, Joe and Roberto. I appreciate it. It's always fun. And special thanks again to Janusz Mahalik for joining us on the show. Roberto, we've got some great matches coming up. I know it's international break, and usually these early international breaks are quite boring, but not this one. Uh, because we have uh, World Cup's positions that are going to be uh, decided as we move forward through here. So let's start off. We go all the way to Thursday because the break starts at the end of the day today. Thursday, we have Italy and North Macedonia at 3.45 p.m. and Portugal-Turkey at 3.45 p.m. Uh, that's going to be that semifinal play in to, uh, to get to the final where everyone anticipates Italy and Portugal, which will come up next week. Uh, Uruguay-Peru in uh, South American qualifying in 7.30 p.m. And then the big one, U.S. Uh, I'm sorry, Mexico, USA at Azteca, 10 p.m. on Thursday night. Uh, so put the coffee on because it's going to be a long, long day on Thursday. Then we go to Saturday where we have MLS still in action. Sporting Kansas City and Real Salt Lake are going to kick off at 7 p.m. And then on Sunday, what could be the, the match that decides one of the positions for the World Cup, the USA hosting Panama, 7 p.m., with possibly a ticket to the World Cup Qatar 22 on the line. Check your local listings for other matches that are going to be available during the week, and we will be back next weekend, of course, to give you a whole list of, of matches moving forward. So, Roberto, 
I gave you the trivia question. I will give it to you again quickly. Carlo Ancelotti has has been a head coach in all five of the top five leagues in Europe, and he's won trophies everywhere he's been, including uh, the one of only two coaches to ever win three Champions League titles. But one of the leagues he has never won the league title in. Can you tell me which league? La Liga. It is La Liga. He won the EPL title with Chelsea. He won the uh, Serie A with AC Milan. He won Ligue 1 with PSG, and he won the Bundesliga with Bayern Munich. He has never won La Liga, and he is currently leading the way with his Real Madrid side, who are currently losing 3-0 to Barcelona. Uh, But he is on his way to possibly ending that streak and picking up the league title in all five leagues in Europe, and I don't think that has ever been accomplished before. So... Without further ado, my friend, I have nothing left on the closing docket, so let's hit the closing music. Let's do it. All right, here we go. And so for episode 352 of Low Limit Football, special thanks again to Janusz Mahalik for joining us on the show. Next week, we will go over all the qualifying matches for the for Qatar 2022 as we head into the final matches for Europe and the United um, and I'm sorry, North America and Central America as well. So for episode 352 of Low Limit Football, I'm Joe Ucello. I'm Roberto Rojas. Thanks for listening, everyone, and good night.